0: Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And one of the things that we've committed to doing over the past year is follow the psychological toll of COVID-19. I think I shared with you a few months ago the journey that my mother had been on with harrowing neurological complications, including hallucinations, the loss of taste and smell. She was in a full-blown dementia for a woman who previously was the smartest crossword puzzle a winner on her floor. She's doing much better since vaccine. But because of that, I joined a group called the COVID Long Haulers to really understand some of the implications of what she and so many tens of thousands of other people are facing. In that, I joined because I wanted to read people's stories, the real narrative of what's going on with COVID-19. And one of the posts that really changed my mind about how urgent it is that we all get behind finding more research and more money and more interest in helping long haulers was a post written by Christina Preston Beard. She's an Iowa college professor, a mother and a wife. And what she has to say, I think will be very, very interesting for you to hear today. Thanks for joining us, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Would you just um, give me a sense of what your life was like pre-COVID?
1: Pre-COVID, it was very busy, very wonderful. I'm a professor at three institutions in Illinois, so I'm quite busy working. I have two beautiful teenage daughters, which we know some days can be hit or miss with teenagers, but for the most part, Um, a great husband, two wonderful stepsons. I live on a small farm. We have horses, we have goats, we have everything manageable. Um, Life was great. And then the pandemic hit.
0: Talk to me about when you first began feeling symptoms, when it was, how hard the virus hit you.
1: This um, My scenario is interesting because I actually got sick and I remember the day exactly. It was February 26th of 2020. So our state had sent out warnings about COVID. They were warning people what was going to potentially come but no one was actually involved in hunkering down yet. Mm -hmm. I woke up that morning and I, a lot of it is a haze. I was in bed for almost two weeks, but I woke up that morning extremely ill. I had a fever, my whole body hurt. I went to bed the night before perfectly fine. Thank goodness it was a snow day for one of my schools and I could go back to bed. I have never been so thankful for a snow day in my life because I would have probably went to work which would have been the worst thing I could have done for myself and my students. Mm. So, um, my sickness in general, I was in bed for almost two weeks. I had a fever of nearly 104 for the, almost the entire time, which is alarming to have a high fever in general for any period of time. I had a horrible cough, which I still have to this day. My latest CT scan is showing um permanent lung damage. I don't even want to see what it looks like in another year. And again, this was right on the cusp before people really even knew what was happening. So, I laid in bed my first 6 days baking. And I mean like literally baking. You know what it's like when you're trying to break a fever and you're drenching the sheets? Yeah. It was disgusting. And looking back, I didn't smell myself. You know how when you're sick and you're gross and you need a shower, you smell it? I didn't smell it. And I remember thinking that was strange, but I didn't think anything about it because the lack of taste and smell was not a thing yet. Right. And when I tried to eat, you know how when you're sick food tastes different, but you can still taste it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. But again, I did not know what I was dealing with at the time because none of this had really come out yet. So I went to the doctor. I don't know how much of this you want to know. All of it. Um, I went to the doctor on the sixth day after laying in bed Because it's flu season, it's sinus infection season, you know, if you don't go to the doctor at the right time, they don't do anything to help you. I mean, antibiotic wise or whatever. So I was in bed in the worst pain of my life, baking for six days when I finally had my husband drive me to the doctor. And again, I'm in central Illinois, my town is small. Um, They misdiagnosed me at that time with flu and pneumonia. They didn't flu test me. They said I was so far in it that it wouldn't have mattered anyway. They did an x-ray of my lungs, and my doctor said, oh, pneumonia, here's a Z-Pak, go home, you'll be fine. Mm. I'm a big fan of the Z-Pak, always have been. It did nothing to help me. I finally had my fever break, and I was able to go back to work for two days prior to our state getting shut down, because in the time I was in bed and I was sick, everything was gearing up outside um, of COVID, COVID, COVID. The two days that I did get to go back to work before The world as I know it shifted outside my house. I remember being in my classroom. I was unable to stand to even lecture. I sat on the stool and I promised them as I coughed like the whole time. I promised them that after spring break, their teacher would be back and I was going to be my normal perky self. Well, we got shut down and we never went back from spring break. And I haven't been in a classroom since. It's been a year.
0: I think... um... That one of the things that's fascinating to point out is that your story is similar to thousands of other people's story severe fever really horrible Um, they did or did not see a doctor but other people who have similar symptoms to you Christina didn't have any fever at all had a mild cough had um, you know some stomach upset and those are the people who are the most severely disabled now. How have you come to view the difference in the way this virus attacks people's immune system?
1: It is unbelievable how many different ways it's attacking different people. Um, and it's not discriminating against anyone. It's not an age thing like they originally said. Um, it's not a precondition necessarily thing. It's, it's unbelievable how different it is for everyone. And I think that's part of the problem why when you go into the doctor's office or you're trying to explain to your friend or your child, like what's going on, it's so different for everyone with no rhyme or reason that it, I hate this word, but it sounds crazy, right? It's nothing that we've never, we've never encountered this before. We don't know what to do with it. And again, there are the people out there. And again, I sat and watched these posts on Facebook for a year, the It's just a cold, right? Or it's just the flu. Get over it. And for some people, you can. Some people get COVID and they don't feel sick at all. Mm -hmm. But for so many people, they're either incredibly ill or quite ill. Or we have the long haulers, which I read um, is about 10%, they're saying, of COVID cases. Yeah. And these are just the ones they know about, right? Right. So I, I really see the aftermath of this going on for quite a while. Yeah, As we I think, continue to research and
0: learn more about it. Yeah, I think it's one of the great coming public health disasters, uh, just because we are so slow on the uptake. I was curious when you began to feel the depression and anxiety of not improving.
1: I would say that last summer was the worst time of my life. <laughs> I have been through a lot and, you know, self-inflicted pain, right? We're all adults. We've all done it. Um, But this was awful. I went from being a pretty intelligent woman, very independent, to completely regressing. It was like I had dementia. I would repeat myself all of the time. I would ask the same thing over and over. I referred to it as glitching out, like I would be trying to articulate a sentence and I couldn't do it. And I remember a couple of times my, ch- my children were scared. They're like, what, what's wrong with you, mom? You know, lack of attention span, the brain fog in general, you know, just spacing out. I got lost while driving. I would forget I was on the back end of a motorcycle with no sissy bar. So my job is to hang on to my husband and I would forget. I wrecked my car. Um, it, was, it was awful. And to be in this place where you don't understand what's happening to you, where every day you're waking up and what your body is doing to you is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't prepare for it. You try to adapt and overcome. Um, and even though I have a very supportive family, they don't understand. And that that's the hardest part. And like I said before, I hid, I hid it from everyone because as a professor, do you want people to know you have this going on? Mm-hmm. And now I've had my student evaluations come back from last spring, last summer, last fall. And they're fine i'm good but i taught online if i had to drive to campus and be my normal self who goes four different schools all day long with 10 minutes in between
0: you you talked about christina one of the most horrendous things that i've heard is you were having a memory of yourself feeding your goats and so you fed your goats would you talk about that please
1: i i will i talk about it now but i didn't talk about it for a very long time Um, On my very worst day, prior to the goat incident as I refer to it, I had gotten lost while driving in familiar places. I mean 20 year familiar places. Um, On that particular day we had trimmed the shrubs around our house. They were Japanese used. I've had them in my home for 18 years and I remembered specifically Always wheelbarrowing the clippings out to my goats. We had um, at the time I think we had nine goats. So I loaded up the clippings and wheelbarrowed them out to the goats, and you know they're munching on their dinner. I did not realize until I had found the first goat dead that the Japanese use were poisonous. Clearly, I had never fed them these clippings in 20 years of having goats. Um, I I had the moment of thinking that, oh, maybe these bushes are the problem, and I got rid of the, the goat that had passed away, and he was my absolute favorite. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I cleaned up the extra clippings, and I, I didn't think too much about it, and I thought, okay, we're, you know, we're good. And again, you're not in your right mind to even have the capacity to understand what you've done, and that's so weird to explain, but it's so real, and if you have it, if you're a long hauler, you know exactly what I'm saying. So I cleaned up the mess, I, you know, disposed of my favorite dead goat and my daughter didn't even know what was going on. The next morning I went out to find um, two more goats dead in the same place where the clippings had been. It didn't dawn on me what had even happened. I couldn't even process that they were dead because they were, I don't even think you know this whole story yet, Sheila. Um, they were in a doghouse with their legs sticking straight out the doghouse doors, and I was walking out to go feed my horses that are in another pasture, and I remember seeing the legs sticking straight out and thinking, "Well, gosh, I've never seen them that tired before," which sounds so dumb to say now. And then I went to check on the goats because they're usually very loud, and they had they had died overnight because they had ate enough. Um, I later then, when I pieced this all together and I Googled these damn bushes, pardon my French, um, one mouthful can kill a horse. So two more died. Um, I got them moved out of the area and another one started to show signs of poison and twitching and and I kind of jumped into survival mode. I know like with a goat, their stomachs being ruminants and bloat. And I knew I didn't have time to get to the vet. And this one particular goat, his name was Thunder. He was my husband's favorite. Um, I worked on him for about an hour, trying to get him to walk and burp and help himself. He ended up dying in my arms. So there's four. Um, so I had four goats to bury. And by the time this all happened, my daughter had come back home. And I had to explain to her that I had I had killed her goats. And I had, you know, given them their last meal, thinking it was perfectly safe and it wasn't, and she, is, she was at the time 14 years old, and no 14-year-old understands that. Adults listening to this right now probably don't understand that. That is the day that I stopped trusting myself. I stopped trusting any decision that I could make. And this would have been, this was in August of last year, and I was waiting to see a neurologist to try to get some more answers of what was going on and how to fix me. Um, yeah, it was the worst day. I avoided my yard for quite a while because goats are loud, and my yard was silent and i couldn't I didn't sit on the deck i wouldn't I wouldn't go go out there.
0: I am so, so sorry, Christina.
1: You heard way more of that story than you were imagining i i apologize I think
0: that the detail that you provide and the mind state that you are so capable of articulating is harrowing for us to hear as, as people who are interested in these stories, but also I can imagine reliving it for you is very, very difficult. It is. What was your relationship like with your husband? Because I can imagine it's so confusing to try to see a person come in and out of a, a well-being state to this neurologically just completely offline state.
1: Um, I have to give give him a lot of credit. He has tried his best to take very good care of me. And again, I am a very strong-minded, independent person. So to go from that woman to having driving restrictions, you know, don't go anywhere by yourself, don't drive at night, don't drive in places you're not used to, um, make sure you have someone with you. It's been incredibly challenging, but he has, he has really, he has really done a very good job to take care of me. He has, um, pr- wanted me to promote my story now that I'm through the worst of it, I would say. Cause again, if this had happened, if I had been approached by you months ago, I couldn't have sat here and even put the story together mm-hmm. to, to tell you what was happening. Um, but it's, it's definitely hard because I am not the woman he married. I'm getting back to being her, I think, but Certain days, it's I'm still off, is what I call it. And some days it's a coughing day. Some days, days it's a digestive problem day. Um, and there's there's some days that I'm I'm still just neurologically not quite there. And it really seems to be the worst if I completely overexert myself. Mm-hmm. And as someone who was a really big go getter, it's really hard. I want to be where I was before this happened. I want my
0: life back. Would you mind just reading the post that you wrote in Survivor Corps, Christina?
1: I will, I can't promise I won't cry, but I will read it. I said, and this was the first time I ever spoke of this to anyone outside of, of my family. I didn't even tell most of my friends. They're kind of angry with me now, quite frankly. I've just been hiding. Okay, um, I am a COVID long hauler. I have publicly hidden this for nearly a year. I bounced between being ashamed and afraid, frustrated and defeated, I'm feeling as if I am literally crazy. I live in constant fear. I do not know what each day will bring for my body. As I write this, over 545,000 Americans have lost their lives due to this virus. I am thankful to even be alive. As more stories are being shared, I realize that telling mine may help others. I hope sharing my story brings you some comfort. Perhaps you can help me find some inner peace. I have long-term neurological, respiratory, and digestive problems, none of which existed prior to having COVID. I used to be a very healthy, energetic woman. I am a wife, mother, and college professor. My doctors do not understand what is happening and aren't seeking answers to try to help me. As an educator myself, this appalls me. My career is built on helping others learn, grow, and flourish. I feel the doctors should do the same. For months, the brain fog was overwhelming. It was like I had dementia at age 40. I would repeat myself, ask the same things over and over, get lost while driving, and forget things almost immediately. I would get distracted easily and could not concentrate on anything. I lost my depth perception and was always hitting my head. My cognitive tests last summer were an embarrassment. Things that used to come easily for me became really tough. I became hard to live with. I was annoying, even to myself. On the worst day ever, my brain remembered feeding brush clippings to our goats. I had a very vivid memory of doing this for years, so without hesitation, I dumped a wheelbarrow full. I also got lost while driving that day and forgot I was on the back end of a motorcycle. My brain was not working reliably and the clippings were poisonous. I, obviously, had never fed them before. I accidentally killed four of our goats. Can you imagine what it feels like to realize what you have done and explain it to your crying child. That was the day I stopped trusting myself. I lived in that space for a long time. I suffered nearly in silence. I was, and still partially am, embarrassed. I know none of this was my fault and I didn't do anything wrong to get this way, but it does not make me feel any better. I best explain this period of my life as losing my joy, watching it slip away more and more each day. I was, before I got sick, Before I got sick, gosh, I say that all of the time, and I hate it. An almost annoying, overly happy person. I have had to fight really hard to not completely lose myself during the past few months. The neurological issues have improved, but there are days where things just still aren't working right. People who did not know me prior to my sickness may not even notice, but I notice, and I hate it. Lingering issues seem to fluctuate between my brain, my lungs, and my gut. Some days it's all of it. It feels like my body is under attack. I never know what the day will bring. My recent CT scan shows permanent damage to my lungs. I have never lost the cough. I get winded just walking to the mailbox. Some days lecturing takes my breath away. Some days I cannot eat. It's like I just can't handle digesting anything, and there's no consistency in the food that sets it off. I have an arm that goes numb, but thankfully the hand tremor has ceased. I find myself battling to be even half the woman I was before I got sick daily. It is exhausting. I miss her. I'm sure my family does too. I am trying really hard to embrace the new version of me. Some days are just incredibly challenging. Seeing that it's not real or that they're making it up or it's just a cold mentality from people in our society does not help either. And then I said, thank you for reading my story. I appreciate you. Advocate for yourselves and please take care.
0: The response to that had um, thousands of people um, cheering you on for finally disclosing the kind of suffering that you've had, and also so many people saying, you just kind of read part of my story as well. Um, Were you surprised when you learned that what you were going through was not all that unique that there are this many people who are uh, battling all these different bizarre kind of lingering effects
1: um, over the course of time. I've seen a little bit on the news, and you know that's just a, that's somebody on the news. That's not somebody who's relating their story to you. And it was surprising how many people jumped on there and had things to say, and it was surprising how quickly they did it too. It's like there's this there's this group of people that need support, and it should not just be from the group of people that are also involved in it. Right. We we need society in general to see that this is a huge problem plaguing more people than you realize. It is also a very true realization that you never know the
0: battles people are fighting behind closed doors.
1: And we say that in passing all the time, but it's so
0: true. One of the most frustrating things for me as a mental health reporter and also a person who's just deeply concerned about this population of people is that it appears that there's really only just a cluster of long haul clinics across the country. What, what have you been able to find about the people who are really researching this and really doing the best for their um, patients?
1: I've put myself on a list to talk with the um, University of Chicago, but every, every long hauler clinic that's open is so bogged down. Um, there's lots of information on the internet that people want to look. Survivor Corps also is really good at providing things. Um, the problem is this is so new and the medical system is so bombarded. There's just not a lot of answers right away. Mm -hmm. And I also, I also think that as we proceed further out with this, we're going to keep seeing, and it's already in the news, like fizzing is the new thing that I'm seeing in the past couple of weeks. This is impacting people on very different ways at a different course of time, even during their illness. Can you tell me what fizzing is? Um, I I don't have it personally. I believe it's when you, um,
0: you feel like you have like electrical current running through your body. My mother felt that. She, she explained that to me very early. And you know, she. what was interesting to me, Christina, is she goes to her general physician and because it's in this COVID cluster, he just sort of said, I don't have any experience with that. I'm very sorry. Um, and a neurologist would treat you with the antipsychotics or the mood stabilizers that they would give a patient with mental illness. But we know that the pathology of this is completely different. So why aren't we doing? Doing more
1: yes. and I I feel for you and your mother and everyone else because I fought that same battle they said well I can give you this old antidepressant that we now give to concussion patients for your brain fog. Right. I can give you Ritalin for your lack of attention span right. you know let's give you some prednisone to try to strengthen the inflammation in your brain I mean they're 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 trying and I respect that But we need to get to the root of why this is happening and not slap a Mm Band-Aid on it.
0: I have done a lot of reporting on the Lyme community because oddly there is this same sort of the chronic fatigue type syndrome the neurological implications the long term nature of how it comes and goes in these very rapid like and debilitating moments for people where it can be days or weeks when they have a flare up and one thing the Lyme community has done really well is started to advocate legislate get it in the minds of our political leaders Are you aware of anything like that happening amongst people in Survivor Corps? Personally, I'm not aware. I'm I'm not sure. I would love to see... Uh, what i'm going to do is give this to a few of my friends who are in washington dc who are on health and human services because i think they have to know that for really if it is 10 percent of the population of COVID sufferers we're going to have millions of people that are in this category who absolutely need the help of government as this is a got to be a high priority or this will be a public health crash and
1: even along with not even just being a long hauler but public health in general When we all come out of this and we come out of quarantine and we try to go back to whatever all normal is, you know, our kids that have been home for a year schooling and all of this, like this is gonna go threefold.
0: I always like to end, Christina, by asking people, What does work on the days when you start to begin to feel the inkling of Christina? What have you done to support your body, your mind? I mean, I know it's laborious and it's like, (laughs) "Ah, who wants to have to do that just to live normally? But Um, I am curious if there are things that work.
1: um, Well, I've learned to just, you know, give myself a little more patience and tolerance than I probably did in the beginning, because it's nothing I can control. And being mean to myself over it definitely doesn't help. But my family has really been able to, to jump on the bandwagon and they can tell, like, if I'm having an off day. Um, and it just got to the point where, you know, if I was repeating myself 10 times, you know, just let me or, you know, whatever. I'm the queen of making lists. I set timers for everything. I've tried to be as proactive as I can to not fall behind in really important things, neurologically at least. With other things. It's just if you have digestive problems or respiratory problems, you know, find things that work for you. Antacids and Dramamine,
0: there you go. Right, right. It's just to your point, we're going back to these very basic types of medications that are used to control things that have originated for completely different reasons. So who's to know whether or not they're even going to be effective? Well,
1: exactly. And what I'm seeing, and I I try to not stalk the survivor corpse page because I think you can go down that rabbit hole and and it be a little maybe too much too but what works for me may not work for someone with the exact same symptoms and it's just it's so complicated and I just again I wanted to promote
0: a little bit of awareness about it and I appreciate you being able letting me do that. It has been so wonderful to talk with you, Christina. And honestly, I'm going to, just because of my unique interest in the brain and how, um, how deeply I feel that, that the people like you who are still suffering need to be heard and given a platform and supported through the rest of this. I, I certainly wanna check back with you from time to time and see how you're doing. And I wish you well on whatever comes next for you. Thank you, I appreciate it very much. If you want to find out more about our reporting on COVID long haul syndrome, you can go to our website at Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. We have several interviews with Dr. James Pullo, the psychiatrist who's one of the physicians treating. And we also from time to time, will post stories like Christina's just so that you can feel like you're not alone. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sheila Hamilton, make it a great day.